You are listening to Feminist Current. I'm Megan Murphy. There have been a rash of media reports in recent years about women who were killed due to sex gone wrong. As of August, there were 57 women in the UK killed by men who used the excuse of a sex game gone wrong as part of their defense. While 38 of those men were charged with murder, 19 escaped a murder charge, and five weren't charged with anything at all. Judges have been determining that, even in cases of horrific violence, the sex was consensual, somehow implicating victims in their own deaths. In April, Anna Florence Reed, 22, was asphyxiated by her boyfriend, who claimed she died accidentally during a sex game. Sally Cavender, 55, suffered a fractured spine, multiple rib fractures, and a brain injury, making her unable to breathe by herself. She also had extensive bruising around her eyes, neck, and arms. Her partner told attending paramedics and police that Sally had died during vigorous sex. In 2018, Leslie Potter, 66, was killed by her husband Derek, who, on arrest and in court, claimed they had an S&M relationship, that she may have killed herself during sex, and that he strangled her during sex in the past. The police did not treat her death as suspicious until one week before she was due to be cremated when he told a colleague, I had to strangle her. There are many, many more stories like this. Fiona McKenzie is a woman behind We Can't Consent to This, a campaign centered on the increasingly successful use of consent as a defense for violence against women. The campaign, launched in December 2018, aims to challenge lawmakers and authorities to take the abuse and murders of women seriously, rather than letting the men responsible off entirely or with light sentences due to the claim that the violence was consensual. I spoke with her over the phone about this troubling trend and the We Can't Consent to This campaign over the phone from her home in London. Here's that interview. I wonder how you first came to sort of become aware that this was going on, you know, um, how did you get involved in activism around this particular form of violence against women? Um, what was it that, you know, you first started noticing? What was it that troubled you to the point where you wanted to, you know, take action? Do something. Uh, that's a really good question. So the first time I became aware of this as a a thing uh, was when I was at university, which is quite a long time ago. There was a woman in 2001 killed locally. Um, her name was Mandy Barkley, and she was killed by her husband. Uh, and it was salaciously reported in local press as this kinky sex relationship gone wrong. Uh, now, like on a personal note, I was then strangled by a boy who, or a boy, do you know I say a boy, a grown man, uh, who had known about this case, and I think in a direct response to that, strangled me uh, just to see what it was like, I think, you know, non-consensually. So, you know, a horrifying experience. Um, and inevitably, I didn't report it to the police. It was just something I kind of sucked up and got on with. This was when someone that you knew? Yeah, so this was my, my then-boyfriend. 
uh, who was, you know, 10 years older than me, I think. Uh, and, you know, we talked about this case and because it was everywhere, it was in all of the newspapers. Um, and this woman had, you know, looking back, she had been horribly violently injured. But, um, but yeah, no, he, I think he strangled me in indirect response to that. And, I, you know, that, that is, it was a horrible experience. You know, it's something that now looking back, I, you know, I should have gone to the police at the time, but it just didn't seem like the kind of thing you did. You know, you just kind of got on with things. It meant that, you know, 15 or 20 years later, when I started to see an increase in these cases being reported, so you start to see more of these cases in the news, particularly with young women, um, and and people online saying, this is horrendous, how can this be happening? And I thought, well, actually, you know, this was happening a long time ago. This was happening when I was a student. It's it's a long time. Um, And so I think I had that real personal drive to get involved in it and and to raise awareness of of this being of this being not just one one off cases here and there. Um, So so in the UK, there were there were a couple of really high profile cases last year. So in 2018, uh, court cases, which which got wide reporting in the news. And I think in response to that, that was really that was the really driver when I started looking into this more detail and actually thinking this is something we should build a campaign around. Well, and it seems like there's this this trend where, you know, particularly, I mean, there's there's other examples of sort of violent sex, you might call it. Um, But this trend of like choking or strangling, I feel like we've been it's become more normalized or, you know, popular. It seems like it's sort of almost become common practice. Yeah, I know. And and so that, again, was a sort of driver for this campaign to, to exist was that, you know, women were women were reporting like, you know, in online feminist groups where I hang out like mums met um, that they themselves were on the dating scene or that their daughters were in the dating scene were like meeting guys off Tinder. And it was now commonplace to expect to be choked as part of sex, that to be non-consensually choked as part of sex or you know, strangled as, as a more appropriate term. Mm-hmm. Um was was really normal and that that's terrifying that's an extraordinary place to be um so and and of course what we see is that many um of these cases i think probably about half of them of women killed by men who claim that it was consensual have been strangled yeah um and well, that's what killed them. yeah and i think i think not even not even just non-consensually though that's happening a lot but i think that there's this idea that choking is sort of like a sexy thing to bring into your sex life so I think that there are some women who are you know technically consenting this but then of course you know there's they're consenting to violence and it's sort of I mean it's really upsetting that this has again become so so normalized I know and I do I do wonder I think like so domestic violence when I was young very young was was kind of commonplace but also a private matter and you know the police didn't get involved in it and then then obviously there was this big societal shift thanks to feminists that domestic violence was bad and it's not something you should accept in a relationship we seem to come, come back full circle again that you know it's violence in the context of sex is a private matter, none of your business. It's it's not something the police should get involved in. And yeah, I, I agree. It's really it's really worrying that women, you know, expect to be <laughs> choked or strangled during sex, whether they consent to it or not, in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we need to explore why that is, and 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 maybe challenge that. Um, as if it's just domestic violence by another name. So I feel like we have seen lately a string of reports in the media wherein women have died at the hands of their partners 
And then after the fact, the incidences are being reported in the media as sex gone wrong, for example. Um, Is this a new trend that you're seeing or is there a longer history to this in, in terms of the defense? Sure. So there is a there's a longish history in the UK. So the the earliest case we found so far was in 1972. Uh, however, there seems to be a sort of steady stream of of cases uh, right up until maybe the millennium. And then what we can see is that there's a bigger uptick. And and certainly in the last few years, there are many more cases. So again, we don't have perfect data because a lot of this is is what we can find in news reports, but it seems to be increasingly uh, used as a defense and it seems to be increasingly successfully used as a defense, um, particularly in cases where young women are being killed by men they have just met. Um, Men who are generally older than them, men who often have multiple convictions for violence against women um, and in, in those cases, even the men are able to successfully claim that the women consented to it and so are not convicted of murder. Hmm. How many women have you you documented that have been killed this way in the UK? So, so we found so we found forty nine women in total who've been killed uh, by men who then claim that uh, the women consented to it in insects gone wrong. Um, in most cases, I guess in, in perhaps slightly good news, in most cases, so about 60% of cases, uh, the man is convicted of murder as opposed to manslaughter or uh, acquitted of all charges. Um, however, in some cases, the man is only convicted of murder because he later confesses to it. So often what we see is that the cases are not themselves, they're not they're not pursued as crimes often, they're just treated as sad accidents um, in, in the beginning stages. And, and so that, that's one of the really scary things, is this, not, this is not just about what happens when it gets to trial, it's about what happens when the police uh, first turn up on the, on the scene. Um, but certainly in the, in the last year or so, in 2018, there were four cases, uh, and similarly the year before, between four or five or six cases. Um, so I think it's something that is increasingly common, and I guess perhaps also with with the with these defences working more often. So with with men getting away with very short sentences, I am sad to say that I think we will continue to see this being used, and I think it will get more common as time goes on. Hmm. What's an example of a, a recent case where you know the man sort of got away with with the defense? Like, how did that? even play out what happened in court so there there are a few cases like this um and one of the complexities around the uk law is that there are different jurisdictions so each of the countries almost has a a different law however often the law is is similar and and so one case is a woman uh, called chloe miazek so she was a student she was only 20 uh she'd been out she was she was drunk she'd been out with friends she had been waiting at a bus stop and she met a man who was uh, in his mid-30s. He took her home to his home and then later called police to say that she was dead. Um, He had strangled her. Um, And, yeah, so he was initially charged with murder, but then in court was was only found guilty of the Scottish equivalent of a, a manslaughter charge, so, so a lesser charge. So, so he received a six-year sentence, um, and, and that is so often the case, particularly with these young women, is that often they're young women who are drunk um, and they meet these men for the for the first time uh, and then hours later they're dead. Um, so I can talk about loads of these. I mean, there, there are so many of them that, that are like that. I, again, there's a lady called 
I say lady, she's like a, a girl called Hannah Pearson who was 16. Um, and again, she had just met this this man um, who he was described in court as being obsessive, obsessive about strangulation pornography. Um, she had, it was found in court that she had not consented to being strangled, but he strangled her anyway. He said that she had consented to sex. Um, and uh, he didn't call 999 when she died. He strangled her for some time. But he was found guilty of manslaughter and not murder, and again got a, you know, a comparatively short sentence. What is the actual law in the UK around consenting to violence? I mean, is it legally possible for women to consent to abuse or violence? I mean, as far as I'm aware, in Canada, I can't consent to abuse. Yeah. So, uh, so it's really interesting. So again, in, in the UK, uh, we have complexity that we have England and Wales law is different from Scotland and, and Northern Ireland, but the laws are quite similar in that broadly, you can consent to violence in a very small number of cases. So things like tattooing, uh, contact sports like rugby. Um, so things where there's found to be a sort of social, maybe a social good uh, or no great social harm in having some kind of ability to consent to violence. Uh, but in, in all of them, it's not possible to consent to severe violence. So anything that's more than just a kind of trifling or transient injury, as it, as it is in England, is, is you can't consent to it. So in law, you cannot consent to it. However, in practice, that law is not always applied. And, and partly, I think that's because it's case law, which means that it's maybe not as obvious in everyone's mind. Um, but it also means that in practice, you know, a lot of these trials, there are a lot of these cases, they can fail at any point of the, the justice system. So right from the police who are first on the scene, through to the prosecution service, through to coroners or, or juries um, or even judges and sentencing. So it doesn't seem like that law is being as strictly applied as it, as it should be because yeah, it shouldn't be possible to consent to this. But as you see, it's so often the case that the men are not convicted of murder, even though they have horribly injured women. It's, it's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that it is that people today are so attached to defending violent sex um i mean because you even see this in feminism i mean a particular section of feminism but you know people get really defensive when feminists or people in general for example criticize things like bdsm and, and the sexualize sexualization of violence more broadly um why do you think that is so I, it's a really interesting question. And to be honest, I never expected me to be the person advocating for a closer look at why people want violence in relationships. So I think that there is that pressure, isn't there, from maybe a type of feminism that I definitely subscribed to, which is that you don't want to you don't want to shame people's sexual practices. You know, you want to be really positive about all types of sex. And and, uh, you know, if people choose to do something in a consenting relationship, then you know, who am I to stand in that, in their way? Um, but yeah, as I say, I, I do wonder how much of this is just embedding old-style domestic violence within sexual relationships, um, and that we never really got rid of domestic violence, we never really addressed it, it just seems to have reared its head under another name, and, and it makes it much more difficult to challenge now that um, consent is used as a sort of force field to say, well, actually, anyway, I consented to this, 
Um, and also that people feel people feel nervy around challenging other people's sex lives. I mean, who wants to, who wants to be the person, the boring person who says, actually, I think we need to look at why women are um, why women are being violently assaulted in sex and why that is expected to be commonplace now. Mm-hmm. And have you found a connection to pornography in terms of these cases specifically, um, but also in terms of this pattern? more broadly of violent sex and and defenses of violent sex yeah definitely and so you can you can actually it's quite i mean it is horribly depressing you can see that right from the very early cases back in the kind of 1970s and 1980s that these men who were using the defense in the in the early days of it being a viable defense um were often like found to have huge quantities of violent pornography printed pornography in those days i guess um, but more recently, yes. So more recently, again, we, we go by what we can see in news reports, but it is so often the case, particularly with younger younger men, that they are obsessive consumers of violent pornography against women. Um, and so pornography, which features particular things like strangulation, and often that they will watch that pornography before they kill the woman, and then they will have been found sometimes to go and watch that pornography after they've killed them as well. Um, so there, there, there does there seems to be a really close relationship um, between men who are consumers of that that type of pornography. I, I kind of as an aside, we you know I obviously specifically want to campaign on men who claim that the women have consented to, to sexual violence, but inevitably we find loads of cases where men don't claim that, but that they have still obsessively watched violent strangulation type pornography before killing women. Um, and lots of the very high profile cases of, of murders in of women in the UK feature that as as uh, as you know as part of the the case that you hear and so yeah i i think we really need to have a proper discussion about what is called here extreme pornography um and and how that drives violent real life violent behavior towards women another pattern that i've noticed is this um this push for consent education um they're doing that a lot in high schools and universities but also Again, in, in feminism, a particular section of feminism, like liberal feminism, some might want to call it, or sex-positive feminism, some other people call it, I I feel like consent, which is, of course, a really important thing, <laughs> um, but I feel like it's been almost overemphasized to the point that it's become the only thing that matters. So, you know, so long as we can claim that a woman consents to whatever practice she's engaging in or whatever sexual act she's engaging in, that's acceptable. And um, we kind of need to just accept the fact that she's okay with it and, and there's no more critical conversation or critical analysis to be had around whatever the situation or sexual act is. Have you noticed this? Yes, I, I, fully, I fully agree with your assessment. I, I think it is really important. I think it is really important to be, frankly, the boring people who say, I think we need to challenge these ideas that violence in a sexual relationship is just a private matter. You know, it's a very healthy part of lots of people's sexual lives to um, commit great acts of violence against women. I think that's an appalling place to be. Um, I don't think anyone should be having violence in either a sexual relationship, so in the context of sex in a relationship, or just in their wider relationship. And I think domestic violence is something that I think we've got a bit of our heads around as, as you know, modern late millennials in my case. But this seems to be very similar. I don't understand quite 
how we've managed to end up with sex violence or violence during sex as being so acceptable and something that's really promoted in lots of liberal media as being actually quite a positive thing that it's you know you see it proposed as being a helpful way of dealing with abuse um or just a very natural and healthy part of sex life which you know everyone should should consider i think that's appalling actually if, now that i've come to think about it and and um and yeah i completely agree with you I, I i don't think it is just a case of whether the woman has consented i think we really need to explore what are you consenting to and why why is that okay why why shouldn't you actually have the confidence to say no i don't you know i don't want to be choked during sex or i don't want to be punched or you know just all of these awful things that you you read about women allegedly consenting to yeah and even why women are feeling like this is something that they should you know try out like it's like oh well, i should try it i should be open-minded about this you know if i'm a sexually liberated person maybe i should try out all these things and find out what i really want um it just seems like that like that's the part that's become normalized not the opposite which is saying like no that i'm like in my gut this doesn't feel good or no i don't feel comfortable with this or no why on earth would i want to be choked during sex <laughs> i know i know but I, I, so i think one one of the things i hope we can get a little bit out of this campaign is is maybe showing to women that um that like the violence that we're seeing is really going one way so it is only men committing these acts of violence against women the ones that get to court that we see whether it's whether it's deaths or 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 just injuries and so i think we really do need to challenge that actually you know you shouldn't feel like you want to try violent assault as part of your sex life I mean, there is an argument that for a very small number of people, that is something that's something they they want to do, and that's again a private matter between them. Maybe that's the case, but actually, I I I tend to think that violence in any kind of relationship is a real negative. It has real harms. Um, and yeah, I don't know how we fix this, but I I completely agree with you. I think we're in a bad place where you know, particularly young women, feel like violent assault as part of sex is kind of not even just normal, but actually kind of positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a terrible place to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. So tell me about your project, um, We Cannot Consent to This. What is it that you're trying to accomplish with, with this campaign? Sure, so we had we had very one very specific goal in setting this up, which was just to demonstrate that this is not, you know, this is not just a one-off or occasional case, that there is a real frequency to these cases of women being injured and so violently injured and and killed by men who claim um that the woman consented to it i think it was also really important to show that it is you know and this isn't something that we started out knowing but to show that it is a it's a male violence issue it's it's men who are killing women it's men who are uh, violently injuring women um and i think that that is important in showing that this isn't this isn't something that's equal. It's not about equality, <laughs> sexual equality and sexual liberation. This looks an awful lot like, well, like violent assault and murder tends to do, which is a crime of male violence against women. So it was really an awareness thing to start. And I, I think what what was great was that it had a really great response from uh, parliamentarians in the UK and, and also from women. So women who are involved in legal research, who are feminist researchers, uh, women who have been affected by being non-consensually strangled uh, or, or or violently assaulted by by partners, 
Um, and so I've got a lovely range of volunteers now who I think are, are really keen to, to draw out more. And what I think what we want to do is to look at legal policy, so legal angles, so how we can change the law to address this, and also kind of public awareness stuff. So, you know, people talk a lot about sexual education in schools. That's great if you're at school. Um, but what about the rest of us? What about everyone who's dating? Um, uh, and I think we, we will try and target that public awareness thing that, you know, violence in sexual relationships is something we do need to talk about. And actually, should we be consenting to this at all? Mm-hmm. And you're specifically uh, lobbying the UK Parliament to address men's claims that a woman consented to violence he inflicted on her and you know essentially to her own death in in the draft domestic abuse bill so uh, can you talk a bit about that bill and what you're specifically asking parliament to alter sure so so the draft domestic abuse bill is currently open or has been open to to comments um uh, before finalisation and it just seemed like a great opportunity so it doesn't apply across the whole of the UK but it is really it's really strengthening the law and the policy around uh, domestic abuse and domestic violence in the UK um, and I think it felt like a, a great opportunity to ask for that bill to specifically consider cases where, where consent um, is claimed um, almost always by it by a man um, in the injury or death of a woman, because what we what we see is that there are failures at all stages of the criminal justice system. So you know the police, the coroner, the crime scene investigators, um, the judges, the juries. You know all of all of these points, um, a case can fail. And I think it's really important that we make sure that you know we are treating these cases as as potential murder scenes you know when police first arrive on the scene um right through to judges really understanding the law and and being able to direct juries on the law that they direct them appropriately to to understand that consent isn't something you can give to um extreme injury or or to death um so I think, you know, I, I don't have all the answers for how this can be addressed, but I, I think I'm comfortable we can get some members of parliament to, to stand behind what we're, what we're asking for and to really look at ways in which this can be embedded throughout the criminal justice system um, through, this, through this bill. Um, and finally, if, if people want to, you know, get involved in this issue or maybe contribute to your project or maybe, um, you know, if they're not in U- the UK, but they still want to, you know, get involved in advocating around this issue, what what do you recommend? What can they do? So I would love, I mean, I've had some great responses from people who are outside the UK already who got, got in touch and said, uh, please look at these cases of people local to, to, to us. Um, we The response to this needs to be, to some extent, local. So local volunteers looking through old press reports, looking at court records, and, and also formulating policy responses to this would be amazing. So, yeah, if anyone is in any country throughout the world um, and wants some of the cases that we found from, from outside the UK um, and also a bit of a, a start in, in getting this up and running as a kind of global campaign, I, I would be so happy to... to um, to give my support to that because you know we can campaign in the UK but this is you know it's kind of hard data collection and I think we really need people uh, people outside the UK to, to look at their own legal systems and um, and the cultural challenges as well in in this defense being used successfully mm-hmm. well thank you so much for your work and for advocating around this issue and of course for talking with me today about your project I really appreciate it Thank you so much, Megan. It's been absolutely lovely to talk to you. 
You just heard an interview with Fiona McKenzie, the woman behind We Can't Consent to This, a campaign centered on the increasingly successful use of consent as a defense for violence against women. Fiona is Scottish and based in London. To learn more about or to contribute to the project, visit wecantconsenttothis.uk. That is all the time we have for today. I'm Megan Murphy. Thanks for tuning in to Feminist Current. You can find us online at feministcurrent.com, tweet at us at feministcurrent, or send us an email at info at feministcurrent.com. We are hosted by Libsyn, and you can subscribe to the Feminist Current podcast anywhere you like to listen. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Spotify, and beyond. You can even give us five stars and a review on iTunes. Show the world radical feminism is worth listening to. Feminist Current is produced and edited by myself, Megan Murphy, out of Vancouver, BC. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider making a donation to support our work. Just visit feministcurrent.com and click the donate button.